Welcome everyone to our NCAA social series. This is episode 44. I'm your host, Andy Katz. Pleased to be joined by Brandon Martin, the athletic director at UMKC, Carla Williams, the athletic director at the University of Virginia, and Alan Green, the athletic director at Auburn University. It is Black History Month, but uh, more than that, um, I think it's most important to celebrate the Black Athletic Director Alliance, which has now been formed, uh, which it doesn't matter what month it is, this should be celebrated at all times because we need more of this. We meet, need more alliances to increase diversity hiring across the board in college athletics. Uh, I wanna just first go around uh, and let's go to the infancy, the beginning and the impetus for this organization and its goals. So let's start first with uh, Brandon. We'll just literally go around our, our group here about uh, why and how you think it was formed. Sure, I think it's a great question, Andy. And I think um, just credit to, to Alan, uh, this was the, the genesis started with him wanting to get a collective group of athletic administrators to talk about um, things happening on campus, uh, whether it be related to social justice, whether it be related to different challenges related to leadership. And um, that sort of evolved into some additional things that we felt that we needed to attack and approach collectively. And so um, over the course of two to three months, um, it was decided amongst the group that we would form the Black AD Alliance. And um, it's, uh, it's been refreshing. It's been something that um, has been good for me um, as a professional to meet people like Carla and learn more about um, her journey and some of the aims and goals that she wants to accomplish with the Black AD Alliance. Um, from a structure standpoint, um, we do have an executive committee that's comprised of 16 um, senior level ADs um, at the D1 level. Um, and we also have subcommittees. We have subcommittees that are aimed at uh, student athlete development. Of course, we have a pipeline um, subcommittee. Um, we also have an ambassador uh, subcommittee uh, where we have great folks involved in that, like Gene Smith, uh, Peter Roby, and um, Earl Edwards and others, McKinley Boston. Um, and so we have subcommittees um, that are organized and structured geared to really attack this, um, th this issue that we have with um, the, the, the scarce amount of black senior level administrators that we have at the division one level. Carla? Yeah, I, I agree with, uh, with Brandon. Um, you know, Alan reached out to me and said, uh, and I think timing is, is uh, important in many, many aspects because this was, you know, on the heels of George Floyd's murder. And Alan reached out and just said, hey, we, we'd like to get a group together to just talk and um, share information and be sounding boards. And, and as Brandon mentioned, it, it's evolved since then, but the origins um, was simply a way for us to have an outlet to talk about what we were feeling, uh, what we were dealing with on our campuses uh, and working with our student athletes and with our coaches and our staff and, 
and so forth in, in regards to what was happening in our, in our country. And then I think once we came together and started to talk and realize, you know, there, there is a lot um, that we could do to help. Um, let's just not talk about it. Let's figure out what we can do to be a part of positive change. And so that's what's been so uh, inspirational and refreshing for me is to be a part of change and trying to make um, this industry more representative of our student athletes and our communities. Yeah, Andy, you know, number one, thanks thanks for having us on. Uh, this is, I think, not only timely, as Carla mentioned, but um, it's really important work, as Brandon has, has mentioned. And, you know, the impetus was needing, needing some people who were going through what I was going through, um, feeling lost uh, on how to manage um, and uh, running an athletic department with, with coaches and student athletes and fan bases. Um, managing my own personal challenges with um, with the the uh, social injustice and and the emotional feelings and so you know to to Carla's point like just the fact that we could come together um, you know several months after kind of COVID impacted our world and and see people who look like us who were leaders in the industry and I I will tell you it is it's humbling to engage with such dynamic and intelligent people. Um, I've learned so much by just listening to our colleagues. And even though he went to Southern Cal, um, he, he's relatively intelligent. And so I've been able to learn from him an awful lot. And it's just, it's been fun to watch our group come together, our group um, evolve, uh, just to, to, to better represent the student athletes who we, uh, who we serve each and every day. So look, uh, I'm going to ping pong back to you, um, Alan, that a, a familiar refrain I heard from coaches, um, white coaches, post George Floyd, was um, they might have been hearing their players during potential past incidents uh, when they were you know, racially profiled, you name it, but they weren't listening. And that was a key thing. I mean, I cannot tell you how many coaches I talked to over the summer where they had these raw Zoom conversations with their players, predominantly black players. And they'd be like, you know, I didn't realize that you went through that after you left the gym and, and literally got in your car. And even though you're a high profile athlete at this university, you were profiled, which is crazy because these conversations weren't had. So to that point, how critical has it been, uh, and the numbers are growing, and hopefully they will continue to do so, to have administrators, those in charge, athletic directors, who can not only hear, listen, and probably have experienced some of the same profiling and racial injustice that their athletes have gone through. Uh, and now you can actually have these conversations as a person of authority and you've actually gone through similar situations in your lifetimes. How has that helped in the relationship with the student athletes from the administrator, the top administrator, down to the student athletes? And I wanna go right back around and start with you, Alan. Yeah, Andy, that, that is, and that's an excellent point. Um, and I think that's why our group felt a need to, to be more organized so, so that we can better serve you know, our university presidents, our coaches, our student athletes. Um, regardless of race, regardless of gender. 
you had made a statement. Um, I got I got a lot of calls from my white colleagues uh, wondering, what do I say? What do I do? Can we talk about this? And I said, you know, Brandon and Carla, myself and, and our peers, this is the life that we live every day. So when it comes to engaging with student athletes, we have literally have been in their shoes, right? Um, we still are in their shoes. There isn't a day that goes by, even this morning, driving to work, right? There's a police officer that pulls up next to me. It's hard, it's hard to put into words what goes through your mind, even though, listen, I, I, know, I've done, I know I've done nothing wrong. Uh, I know I'm going the speed limit, but in the back of my mind, because I've had these experiences before where police have harassed me for being black, when a, when a young student athlete says that that has happened to them or their family members, I believe them because I know it's true. It's happened to me and it continues to happen. What, what I, where I think people need to have a better understanding of is just because someone uh, has a certain position in life, um, we can't scrub away our blackness, right? Um, we can change our hair, we can change our clothes, we can change the way we talk, can change the way we walk. But at the end of the day, we're still black men and women who are, who are walking and, and driving the streets of America. And when, if you haven't had that experience before, you truly don't know and you wouldn't have had the conversation because you wouldn't have been aware. And so what, what this summer has allowed us to do is have these uncomfortable conversations, these needed conversations, so that we can have a better understanding of, of what it's like to be black in America. And I've grown a lot by understanding what it's like to be white in America and not have to worry about your skin color when walking into a store or when driving down the street. So I, Andy, you, you phrased the question uh, in a way that I don't know that I could, but it is incredibly poignant and, and the conversation needs to continue to be had. And, and I'll just, I'll piggyback on Alan. Um, you know, this, ex, this experience with the Alliance has allowed us to, to amplify and, and magnify the importance of diversity and the value of diversity, and 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 that's true across any industry. It's, it's not just in college athletics, but it, it's true in any industry in our country. Uh, diversity is a strength. It it is not a weakness. It is not a negative. Um, it is a strength, and it makes us all better leaders. And so, because we've um, focused on the importance of diversity and the value of diversity, uh, I have become a better leader, uh, leader for our student athletes, for our coaches, for our staff, for our university community, uh, for our greater community here in, in Charlottesville. And so, um, you know, diverse, diverse staffs, uh, diverse leadership um, is a strength and it, it is not something to, uh, that you should try to have to figure out. It, it should just be. Um, and so I think I'm really encouraged that we are at least having a conversation about the value of having diverse leadership, especially in our industry, when we are leading a diverse group of student athletes. Yeah, I'll just dovetail off of what Carla and Alan mentioned. You know, I think um, you did mention coaches, um, you know, early on in your question. And yeah, I think this has been uh, sort of a growth opportunity for a lot of our coaches. 
our coaches seem to uh, be not all, but a large majority, um, you know, they're focused on wins and um, that that's coming from top down from, from all uh, three athletic directors on this call. But I think it's, it's really forced them uh, for some growth opportunities to truly understand the plight and the reality of the black student athletes that they have on their respective teams to truly understand that. And also when, when they talk about leadership, they have to lead in a different way and it has to be authentic and it has to be sincere. And it has to be something that um, builds trust with the student athletes, especially as they, they exit um, the respective institution that, that they're competing at. And so um, just to circle back on some of Carla's comments, I think this is a great opportunity where I think all three of us as athletics directors have had to stretch a little bit um, in terms of how we communicate um, um, in this period, um, how we deal with our coaches and how we set select mandates um, of non-negotiables as it relates to, um, to black student athletes and their do's and don'ts and how we monitor um, and track that. So I wanna go to a topic that I think is uncomfortable. And, and that is, while I think there's been great diversity obviously in the student athlete population, it's getting much better in college athletics, uh, you know, as this alliance is showing, where it's lacking is above you and to some degree, you know, uh, to the left and right, which is the donor class and the presidential level. Um, you know, we're still climbing up here, uh, but I'm curious for each one of you here um, and maybe how this alliance can help, do, you know, problem solving when I know this is true, where I'm, I've got to believe more times, you know, nine times out of 10, if you're meeting with donors, most of the time, probably you're the only person of color. And, you know, uh, you've got to cross that bridge, um, you know, and, and, and dealing with those conversations and how within this alliance, you can help each other out of navigating that world, which, you know, has been for decades and hopefully it's changing, but it has been predominantly white. Alan, I'll start with you. Thanks for that. Thanks, Andy. Uh, that's, it's, it is an excellent point. Um, I, I don't know, at least for me, it's not as uncomfortable as it may seem. Um, so I, I've spent a lot of years in the fundraising uh, world and my, my first kind of in the field fundraising uh, job was at Ole Miss. And so, you know, I tell people, imagine, right, this black guy from Seattle, uh, I'm a Yankee, if you will, uh, never lived in the South and I'm in Oxford, Mississippi. Right. Um, and now I'm in Alabama. So two of two places that are considered the deep South. Um, I, I had family members who were who were really concerned for my safety. Right. When I went down to Ole Miss uh, about seven or eight years ago. And the stories that I would tell them and the interactions that I had with donors each time I would have this, these positive experiences. I loved my time in Oxford, Mississippi. And if it wasn't for that time with those donors um, and those supporters, I wouldn't have felt comfortable coming to Auburn. And so, yes, look, there are, um, there are people who share values that are outside the norm all over the country, right? You can, have, you can have bad experiences no matter where you go. 
being in a position of leadership as a person of color, it has allowed at least me to have very transparent conversations with our donors. And I actually had one yesterday uh, with, with, with one of our, our key donors and, and it's a conversation that began this summer. And it's a conversation that we would not have had if it wasn't for uh, the, horrific, the horrific events of the summer and the, the events that built up to it. So I think we all have to take advantage of the opportunity that we have in front of us. And although conversations may be uncomfortable, they're very, they're very much needed. And I think as, as we get more comfortable, as we have more of these conversations, I think they become more comfortable. And it's allowed me to see the, the, the hearts of the people who we rely on to support our student athletes in our department. And also it's allowed me to say, Look, I, look, you may not understand that our student athletes, whether black or white or whomever, may support Black Lives Matter. You and your circles may feel like that organization, and here's what I hear, right? It's a, it's a Marxist um, organization. They are about violence. Um, there's lots of different angles to bring. And what I try to explain to our fan base and our donor base is, look, it, you haven't walked in the shoes of a person who is celebrated on the field in courts of play, but when they go out to the parking lot, they're just another person of color. They're just another black man or black woman. The, the life experience is very different, not just those couples, couple of hours under the lights. And I think when, you, when, when we all pause and just listen to other folks, we may still not agree, but we at least have a better understanding of, of someone's perspective. So I, we've tried here to use it to our advantage. And I'll just add that, um, you know, to me, it's a great question, Andy, and we, we uh, work through those challenges daily. Um, but I, I think it also speaks to, again, to the value of diversity because Brandon, Alan, and I can thrive in any environment, any environment. That's, that's valuable. And our peers um, in the Alliance can do the same can thrive in any environment. And um, to me, that is a valuable, valuable asset. And so when you think about uh, donors and presidents and chancellors, um, it, it doesn't matter what they look like, we have been able to thrive in that environment. And um, you know, our president here, Jim Ryan will, will tell you, uh, you know, some people will say, well, you had courage to hire Carla and, he, and he'll say, no, I, I didn't have courage. I just hired the best person for the job. Um, but it actually sadly does take courage. I mean, that's the point where we are in our country that it, it does take courage, even though we are uh, well qualified, um, you know, race still plays a factor. And so the presidents and chancellors who do make the decision to set aside um, any bias, any discrimination, any stereotypes to hire the best candidate for the job um, is, is a wonderful thing. And we need more of that um, from our presidents and, and chancellors. Yeah. And I'll just, I'll just say that even though, you know, I do have Power 5 experience, um, not as an athletic director, I don't have the same type of pressures that both um, Carla and Alan have in terms of how they relate to their donors. But what, what I can say is, is that, um, you know, I've used this opportunity 
um, uh, to use a crisis as a chance for us to educate and to, to take um, the scoreboard where all of our donors are, are concerned about wins and losses and really take that to another level to where they have a true connection with our student athletes and they have an understanding about who is, who is that um, starting point guard on our men's basketball team. We don't have football, but to, to really um, bridge that gap and, you know, I think it's been really refreshing um, to, to bridge um, some of our Black student athletes with some of our donors. And so I've, I've, I've taken that, um, that approach, you know, as we move forward. I'm really fortunate to be in Kansas City, where it's a passionate sports town. Clearly, um, our football team is, is in the Super Bowl this week, uh, Chiefs. Uh, that's, that's awesome. Um, and so that enthusiasm, even though we don't have football, I have to try and dovetail off of that type of enthusiasm as, as I'm trying to spread the word about Kansas City athletics. And so <clears throat> instead of taking it from a deficit standpoint, Andy, I've kind of looked at it from a growth mindset standpoint and really look for opportunities to educate um, our donors um, and connect them with our student athletes as we move forward. So Carla, there has been over the last, you know, 20, 30 years, so many exceptional black student athletes, uh, female, excuse me, um, in the pipeline, but very few uh, have continued to climb up the uh, administrative level. Uh, and so um, you know, it's unfortunate that you are a tra trailblazer because you shouldn't need to be one, but what has stopped, what's been that ceiling to prevent black female student athletes to continuing the kind of path that you have gone through um, to climb that ladder, shatter that ceiling and to get into positions of power that are deserved like yourself? Yeah, I mean, and I, and I think it's, it's uh, many, many, many decades, um, you know, but, you know, once again, it goes back to who's doing the hiring. And um, of course, at the AD level, that's presidents and chancellors. Um, and then if you're thinking about um, entry level positions in athletic administration or mid-level management positions in athletic administration, you know, those are associate ADs, deputy ADs, and athletic directors. And, and, and so um, you know, that has been really frustrating um, that I was the first female, black female uh, AD at this level in 2017. Um, and I enrolled at the University of Georgia in 1985. And not until 2017 did a black female have the opportunity to uh, manage a major athletic department. Um, and it's not because the talent isn't there. It is not because the competencies aren't there. It's, it's the opportunity. Um, and so we, we've got to continue to uh, develop our skills, build our networks. Uh, but those who are in hiring positions um, have to lay aside uh, stereotypes and uh, fears about race 
um, and simply do what is right. And, and that is to hire uh, the best possible candidate regardless of their gender or their race. And so once that happens, uh, then you'll start to see a lot more uh, competent uh, men and women of color um, succeed in this business. You know, I became an AD in 2017. That, that, that doesn't mean that I became qualified in 2017. I was qualified a long time ago, um, but, but never got the opportunity. But you just have to keep at it and, and stay encouraged and keep encouraging others uh, to stay with it as well. Hey, a Andy, if I can interject here. Yeah, Carla, Carla's a rock star. I mean, I, and I don't throw that term around lightly at all. Um, I have such a tremendous amount of respect for her. She is a brilliant person. Um, you know, C Candace Story Lee in, in our conference um, is a brilliant person. And these are two women, and there are others, right, who are in our alliance who, as I've had a chance to get to know and hear from and learn from, uh, um, to her point, to Carl's point, she, she was ready a long time ago. Um, and there are a number of different women in our industry, uh, black or otherwise, um, who are ready to be athletic directors. And uh, any, any university, any athletic department, any student athlete, any coach would, would be over the moon excited to have some of these folks lead their departments. Um, so it, it needs to be underscored to Carla's point that just because someone ascends to the AD in this leadership position, that doesn't make them all of a sudden ready. Um, they're ready beforehand. And we need, we all collectively need to do a much better job, a much better job of highlighting, promoting, and, um, and helping females get access to these positions. So first of all, I hope that we're doing that in the series and we've had, um, you know, secondary level, I guess, or, you know, assistant athletic directors or assistant commissioners, you know, through this program and others, um, people of color, men and women. Uh, and, you know, I'm hoping we continue to do that to highlight, to give them that opportunity, because I'll, I'm going to be real here as in my former life, when I was, you know, print journalist, and then, you know, uh, worked my way up and covering searches, whether they're coaches and ADs, you know, I would hear from the coaching search, search um, uh, you know, committees, and these firms, uh, well, you know, we got to have a black candidate, you know, a black candidate, um, you know, just because we have to. Uh, and, and these were things, they weren't said in the public space, but they certainly were being said. And yet that's not representative of that athletic department, not representative of maybe that city, of that campus, certainly, uh, to have one person of color interview for this particular job. So how do you get it to the firms that these search firms that everyone uses uh, for better or for worse to diversify their thinking and hopefully it is changing in the last year um, for hiring at your level and below and uh, you know we'll go back the other way and we'll start with you Brandon. Yeah sure I think it's first to to sort of um, provide some context around this of, you know, there's an over-representation of black student athletes at the division one level versus there's an under-representation of senior level administrators. Um, I think that's, that's um, important to single out. Well, that's a fact. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah that, that's, that, that's a fact. 
But I think it's, it's important that um, when we think about the Black AD Alliance, it's important that we continue to work with um, conference commissioners. It's important that we continue to work with um, the, in, the, the senior NC2A um, administration. Um, it's important that we continue to build out our pipeline so that those individuals um, are known um, and, and have an opportunity. So that would be, that would be my take on it. Carla? Yeah, I'll just I'll just add, you know, the the, the search firms, um, good and bad, um, you know, and and so just like everything, I think it's a part of the process that we need to become better connected. Um, but also there there are there are challenges there um, because the mindset is very similar to the the overall mindset. And and to give you an example, and Brandon and Alan have heard this before. I won't disclose which search firm, but I called the head of a search firm when the Virginia job was open and inquired about it. And I said, that'd be perfect for me. I'd love that job. And uh, the head of the search firm told me, don't try. That you'll never get it. Uh, there's a, there is a, a, a line out the door of sitting athletic directors who've been waiting for that job. Um, you should try for something else, but not that one. And I immediately got off the phone and, and started working uh, to get this job. Um, you know, so it, it's good and bad um, because it's a necessary part of the industry, but I still think, you know, we've got to, we've got to cover all of our bases. And so that includes the conference offices, the national organizations, uh, search firms, um, and in, in my opinion, most importantly, presidents and chancellors because they are the ones hiring athletic directors. And uh, we, we can do all of our, we can clear all of the hurdles leading up to the president and chancellor. Um, but if they uh, don't exercise the leadership to hire the best candidate, uh, we're gonna remain in this position. And so I think we have to do all of it. And that's why the Alliance is so important um, that we, we try to cover so many bases. And we, you know, I have to uh, commend Brandon and Alan because all of us have day jobs, but they have devoted so much of their time, talent uh, and effort to this alliance for the greater good. And so we, we just have to continue that because it's almost like we, we, have to, we have to do everything. We have to cover every base to get a fair shot uh, once we get to the presidency chancellor. Yeah, um, very well stated from both Brandon and from Carla. Um, let me try to phrase it in a, in a little bit of a different way, is policy is on paper, right? And what, and what, what we're trying to raise the level of conscience of is, is culture. And so whether it's Rooney Rule, Rooney Rule 2.0, Rooney Rule for College, it, you, you can't force people to find value in diversity, right? You have to show them. You have to demonstrate that having diverse people around you with experiences um, and thoughts, uh, that makes you better. That makes the organization better. So there, there's, it, it's really important for industry leaders to understand that you are a better 
president of a university, of an organization, of a whatever, as the ultimate CEO, your organization is going to be better if you have people who represent different, different pockets, who can bring different perspectives to the table to make better decisions and to better serve your constituents. Culture is where we're working, where we are working to drive. Um, and that's, that's, that's really important to be able to try to move a needle. And ultimately what we do in our industry is serve 18 to 22 year olds, right? We do it through coaches. We, we do it through nutritionists, through strength and conditioning, through academic services. We are ultimately responsible for preparing leaders for tomorrow. And if you are, if there's, an, if there's a lack of diversity in, in an approach to how to problem solve, then you're not going to be as good at solving problems. Thus, you're not going to be as good at your job. And that's the cultural uh, illumination that we're trying to provide. So this summer, um, it, it has definitely felt like, or it did feel like, and there's no question we have the facts to back it up, that student athletes were empowered to speak out and did so uh, without any kind of repercussions. Their coaches finally awoke to, you know, the idea that, you know what, this is a good thing. Uh, no one should be kept quiet if they feel passionate about an injustice. Um, but at the athletic director level, as we've just stated, uh, you have other constituents that you have to deal with, uh, and hopefully they were okay with it, but they may not have been. So I'm curious how you bridged that gap between your student athletes who felt, you know, look, this is my time to speak out and I should have that right. Um, whether that's verbally, whether that's through action, whether that's through a t-shirt, you know, something on the floor, uh, something on the Jersey, how you balanced all of that. And, and Carla, obviously, um, you know, Charlottesville, uh, you know, has a whole different element of that because of everything that went on in Charlottesville. So I, I'll start with you. How, how, do, how did you balance that with your student athletes, um, the need to express themselves and, and, uh, and empowering them to do so while also trying to manage to make sure if you even felt there needed to be any guardrails. Yes, it's, uh, it's a great topic and, and we could spend uh, hours on it. I, and I will say that uh, Charlottesville probably felt like it added a, 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 an additional layer to the complexity of all of this. But I think our student athletes, our coaches, our staff members of color um, it, much like me, I mean, it, th what happened in Charlottesville happened in August and I arrived in, in October and I did have uh, colleagues to say, are you sure <laughs> you want to go there? Uh, but, you know, uh, you know, Alan talked about being in Oxford and, and working now in Auburn. I, I grew up uh, 30 minutes from Auburn, Alabama in a small town in Georgia. So I, all of my life, my adult life has been in the deep south. Um, and you, you learn how to figure out how to thrive despite the hurdles. You just, you just figure it out. And, um, and so our student athletes come from all over the world, um, certainly all over the country. And, um, you know, they have exhibited great leadership, great thought. They, they, don't, they aren't just doing this to check a box. Um, they are doing it because they are passionate about it, uh, that they actually do fear for their lives. Uh, that, is, that is actually why they are doing what they are doing, because they actually are afraid 
um, that they will be a statistic. And so that makes it a lot easier for us to communicate with our donors. Um, and of course, for just like for all of us, there are donors who understand and are empathetic and those there are supporters, uh, alums who are not. Um, and so what we do is we try to do our best to communicate, to over communicate, uh, to share information, to share the student athletes viewpoint, to share my viewpoint, um, which has been quite valuable because this, my perspective is a perspective they, they don't ever hear about. Um, and so that's been uh, quite helpful for us in bridging the gap. Brandon? Yeah, I, I think, you know, we're certainly in a, a, a different era in a certain period of activism as it relates to our student athletes. If you, if you look at, um, you know, the days prior, you know, when we had people like, um, you know, Harry Edwards, if we had, you know, others during civil rights, um, you know, that was, that, that was a different day that, and most of our student athletes don't even, unfortunately, don't, don't have knowledge of, of people like that. But, you know, I think that we have student athletes who are afraid. Um, we have student athletes who are confused about how to move forward. One of the things that I've strongly encouraged my student athletes to do is, is to really clarify your purpose on what, what is it that, that you're trying to get done? You know, what is it that you're trying to communicate? Um, you know, the other one is, is um, you know, to get organized and find out who are going to be some of the spokespersons um, or spokespeople who can really come forward and, and talk to myself as the AD um, and talk to some of the senior level administration at UMKC about, about the concerns. Um, I, think, I think it would be a mistake to try and silence their voices uh, during this time. I don't, I, I don't think that's, you know, I don't think that's important. But I do think that it has to be constructive and it does have to come with some sort of aims and some goals about how to move forward. So we, we don't, we wanna take the emotion. We understand that they're emotional. But I think that there has to be a plan in place. And that plan in place has to be a lot larger than just themselves. And so when we talk about when we talk about the legacy and we talk about all of the leaders, um, you know, years ago, it was it was a mission um, and goals beyond themselves. And so with this generation, that's something that I've taken upon myself as the AD to really teach them about the legacy. What legacy are you really trying to leave um, as a student athlete versus just bring, being so solely focused on this moment? Uh, <laughs> good, good, good comments. Um, Again, I think the great part about having three people on here is that we get to bring different things. So uh, what, what Brandon and Carla said, completely agree with. Um, let me try to bring a different angle to it. So Carla had mentioned you know, the word complex or complexities, and that's definitely true, right? We have 550 student athletes at Auburn and we are here to serve all of them. Something I didn't think about, two things uh, in having conversations with our student athletes. 
are white student athletes, some of them feeling paralyzed, not no, wanting to help, but not knowing what to do. And the weight of, of that um, un uncertainty on what path to move forward. And then talking to our international student athletes who wonder, kind of like when a dog hears a noise and they turn their head, our, stu our international student athletes are like, what, what's, wrong with, what's wrong with America? Uh, not the America that I thought from abroad. And again, the beauty of, of having conversations is it provides an opportunity for one to say, huh, never would have thought of that. And that, that's, that's why, why, why I appreciate um, being able to have these conversations. You know, we, we our student athletes put together a, a diversity group and they wanted to do something that was impactful. And so we had a, uh, we designed a unity t-shirt and we sold that unity t-shirt and proceeds went to the institution uh, to help raise money for need-based scholarships for underrepresented populations, if you will. And that gave them an opportunity to share their voice, to do something that was meaningful and impactful and something that our donors could get behind. And the, the amount of positive feedback that we received, the amount of donations that, that we received from not only people in our department, but from our donors supporting that cause uh, really left me with a warm heart. And so trying to find some commonalities to Brandon's point on how we can think bigger than just ourselves in this moment and what we can do to actually have an impact, I think resonates with so many more people as opposed to here I am, here's my issue, and hear me. Um, making, making it more about the broader scope has been really helpful in our world. Uh, before I get to your final comments, um, I'll just quick sidebar. You know, it drove me crazy. And it, it seems like every week I've got my little uh, soapbox moment. But, um, you know, the voting initiative, which should not have been political, but it was politicized at times, assuming that, you know, schools going through a voting push meant you were specifically voting for one party over the other. And maybe they were based on their age, but maybe they weren't. But voting should be something that all young people do, regardless of who you're going to vote for. And that was just a little sidebar. But it was something I think everyone could have gotten behind and did to have student athletes get engaged in the political process if they wanted to do so and actually affect the change that they wanted to, going back to Brandon's point of having a purpose and, um, and voting obviously starts with that. All right, so let's wrap this up this way. A year from now, two years from now, whatever the timeline is. Uh, and uh, we'll once again, just go, I want just a quick comment from everyone here. Um, what would be uh, a, you know, where you could say, for the Black AD Alliance, you know, we've had success or we've accomplished our goals. What are some benchmarks in any way, shape or form? Uh, and maybe they don't have to be tangibly that you think we could say a year or two years, three years from now uh, that have been, you know, that you hope to have been accomplished. And Brandon, we'll start with you. and We'll just go around our little Zoom room here. Yeah, well, Andy, I'll, I'll just start um, with the overall um, awareness and overall urgency um, for a lot of the things that we've talked about previously, Andy. Um, I think if we can make meaningful touches with um, the senior level administration at the NC2A and conference commissioners as we alluded to uh, previously, um, but not only that, if we can some um, meaningful conversations with chancellors and presidents and have real conversations, not 
just conversations where they get a resume or they get other pertinent information and then they're expected to to make um you know a, a decision about who they want their next director of athletics to be that would be one i think number two i think if we can create even a larger pipeline um and uh, that would involve even going all the way down to some of our current student athletes who see myself, they see Carla, they see Alan on a, on a daily basis, and maybe they don't quite understand what we do, but um, when we show up pre-COVID and like we are today, and they say, well, wow, you know what, that's, that's something that I'm curious about. Maybe that's something that I can do. You know, I think if we can get more student athletes involved and in, in, in interested in our industry, I think that would be great. Um, you know, the other piece is, is that I think there has to be some synergies um, between um, a lot of our goals. So there's no secret that um, Lead One <clears throat> has um, efforts. They just produce a white paper, um, uh, MOA, um, they have, uh, their, their aims and goals of what they want to get accomplished. I think at some point there's going to have to be some synergy, some collaboration and some unity um, amongst groups to where we can all come together and, and reach some of the outcomes that we want. And so those are the three things that, that I think are, are pertinent at this time. And, and I'll just add quickly, um... You know, I would be happy um, next year, two years, five years from now, 10 years from now, if presidents and chancellors would set aside any fear, would, would look at us, look at me, look at Brandon, look at Alan, look at our, our peers, our colleagues, and set aside any fear about race and gender and whether or not we can do the job. We, we are doing the job. Um, we need opportunities. And so my, my hope is that the, you'll see uh, many more uh, people of color, women uh, leading departments, leading athletic departments, um, because we are the best candidate for the job. That, that is my hope, that, that presidents and chancellors will take a leadership role in making that happen. So I'll, I'll close out by thinking kind of high level here. And most of us who sit in this chair, regardless of gender, regardless of, of race, um, are servant leaders. We want what's best for others. Uh, we use a saying in our department, and it's a, it's a John Wooden saying, but care more about the success of others than your own. And in time, as we care more about the success of others, right, our student athletes, our coaches, our staff members, um, our mentees, our mentors, um, our colleagues at the university level, senior leadership level, our presidents and our chancellors, um, our boards. If we can work to help put them in better positions to be successful, I think we will have a more diverse workforce. We'll have more opportunities for our student athletes to get into this industry so that they can give back. We'll have greater diversity in the coaching ranks. We'll have more opportunities. There's a reason why 
you know, as I think about being a young black kid uh, growing up, I wanted to be a, a major league baseball player. Um, there were major league baseball players who were black who I looked up to. And so as we see in society today, we see that the black folks in our communities typically are athletes or entertainers of some sort. Um, you don't see many lawyers, doctors, or at least those, those, those people don't get highlighted. And so if we can have more men, more, more black men, uh, black women, women in general, uh, more people of color, people of different uh, diverse backgrounds, more underrepresented populations, Maybe there's a little boy or girl out there who says, mommy, daddy, I want to be like that person, right? I want to be like Brandon. I want to be like Carla and help put them on this journey of a, a, a rewarding profession that is achievable and attainable. But to, to Carla's point and Brandon made this point as well is it's a collective effort. And if, if we all take pride in caring about the success of others more than our own, then we will have some of these tangible outcomes that I think most people desire to have. But more importantly, it just makes for a better industry. Well, I will tell you, I mean, I hate to say there's been some any positives in the pandemic, but you know, having the Black AD Alliance sort of form during this unprecedented year um, is certainly going to be, I think, something that will have a long-term positive effect on college athletics, regardless of division. Uh, I appreciate the three of you taking the time uh, with us today. This has been wonderful, educational, inf informational, and I hope inspiring, as you said, Alan, to others, uh, as uh, Carla is the ultimate uh, trailblazer, and, and both of you are doing, all three of you are doing wonderful work at your respective institutions, and I'm sure more to come. So Brandon Martin from UMKC, Carla Williams from Virginia, Alan Green from Auburn, appreciate your time. As always, you can go to ncaa.org slash social series where we have all our social series archived i'm andy katz stay safe everyone